This is a CKTZ News Update. The Cortez Island Women's Resource Center struggles every year to stay afloat. Director Tanya Hank says this year there's more stable funding in place. She says they can carry on with basic services and look towards getting some volunteers certified to be members of a local non-violent crisis intervention team. One of our oldest supports is actually through the Victoria Foundation, and we received some support, $5,000 from them again this year, and we've been grateful for them because they were really allowed us to open that first year. They were our first source of actual official funding. The Cortez Foundation granted us $17,000 this year, which was a great honour, and the Canadian Women's Foundation, who's really seen a through the COVID times gave us $20,000. And with that, that almost covers us a year for core costs. So that has really been a huge help. And what sort of core costs do you have? What are the main things that help you to function? Our rent is our main one. And in that is also wages. And we've had, we were able to actually offer some money to, we had somebody who was doing like tech and online support and stuff like that, which was a really big help. And we also were able to pay someone for doing clean, not a huge amount of money, but it was still a little bit. So that was pretty cool because it's always been our goal is to try and elevate women's employment and money and that type of thing. So that has been as far as like our wage stuff. And then you yeah, have internet phone, those, all the basic things that we need to get through our annual web page, just our basic stuff. Yeah. And what kind of services are provided here? We have a 24 hour accessible safe space for members and membership is free. You just need to connect with us and talk to us about that and get an orientation. We have a lending library. We have access to food. There's food that people can just get coffee and tea that they can access when they're here. And then we've also got a bunch of food that can be taken. And that is also can be taken if you know somebody else, regardless of their gender, that could use some help. You're welcome just to grab stuff and take it to your neighbor or whatever. So we've been grateful to be able to continue supplying that because that is actually having that free food has been one of our biggest things and that we've started doing that at COVID times and we noticed that was a really well used resource. And you mentioned that you actually had quite a jump in membership through the whole COVID period. Where What's it at now and or what was it previously, like well, pre-COVID? I mean, pre-COVID, I think we were actually kind of hovering closer to about... I want to say it was between 90 and 100. I'm trying to remember exactly from what I used to write down on our grant application. Yeah, we, and then COVID, our numbers, it was, our numbers were lower during COVID because we, most of the time we didn't actually have the space open. Women could still come in to use the space if they wanted to. We never had it like locked off, but as far as doing any kind of groups or any kind of social things, like we weren't able to do that. But now, yeah, over this last summer, we started seeing a larger membership, which was really great. And we really do need to do a membership drive, but organically, happening over the summer and i believe now that we're at about a 75 80 for a membership okay so it's come back up yeah and like those kind of and those also range like some of our members are people who are in support and might not use it so frequently other members are using it on a regular basis and and how people choose to use it is also up to them too hey now tanya we spoke over a year ago about this initiative to create a local crisis intervention team because as we know getting help from off island say whether it's medical or uh, police or somebody in authority and skilled to help in certain situations could 
take a while. So there was this idea to to create a local crisis intervention, non-crisis intervention team. How's that going and where is it at now? We're still working on the funding and we've changed our, originally we were thinking of just having a couple of us get the training and then we could share that. But now what we've actually taken a look at, because it, really if we looked at the price difference, it wasn't that much different for us to send a couple of people for training and then what that for them to get their training certificate for the nonviolent crisis intervention. And the bonus of that is that then we will have qualified people on the island to do that training. So as we like yearly, if we want to do updates on the training or as we get new volunteers, we can do that training. It would also give a couple of people those skill set that could also then be set out to if there's other organizations who are also needing it on Cortez, we'd actually have somebody on island who has those that skill set, which I think is important being able to support people that way too. Yeah, and say since we did speak about this first in I believe December of 2021, how often does that kind of call come in where there's people are in crisis and they need help as quickly as possible? I off the top of my head I would say 6 to 8 times a year where it's significant as far as like the immediacy and the threat level is high. Now, in that doesn't mean that there isn't other situations where this training would still be very relevant. And one of our hopes with this training from the start isn't that it would just be based in domestic abuse, but that it would also be a mental health crisis line and arm out in that area. Because that is one of the one of the other really challenging areas is mental health crisis. Statistically speaking, police intervention in that doesn't work so well. The police aren't, that isn't part of their skill set, right? It's not part of their training. And so to have a crisis team that could navigate that, because often if the police are the first step, that can often trigger situations. It can make it worse. Often if somebody's having a mental health break, the idea of the police getting involved doesn't settle the situation any better. So having people who are trained in that, that could hopefully smooth that and also be something that's local that people who are struggling would feel that it is a safe space for that they could reach out to and not be worried about what kind of legal consequences or yeah. might come out of it. And ideally, when would this team be in place? Oh, to some extent it is in place because Jim Foster has been amazing and he, he has his volunteer team and they have been, in, I mean, since Jim and I first had this conversation, he's basically actively been doing this. It ha- It is already happening happening to some extent, but it would be great for us to actually have that formal training. Then we could actually have a phone number that's out in public. We could be like, hey, this is our non-crisis intervention team, and we could publicize it more. But until we have some official training, we keep that a little bit more low-key until we can... Yeah, have that skill set. The actual certification and yeah, so forth. Yeah, yeah. I guess that, in a sense, uh, unfortunately, for lack of a better word, but legitimizes, yeah, the team in some ways. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because, I mean, we're certainly grassroots, right? And that's how we do things around here. But Jim is so great. And one of our most important things is confidentiality. That's, like, the one thing we stress as far as, like, the space and what's important. And Jim has been doing outreach about this stuff for a long time, and he's great making social connections with people. And so Jim will get calls that I might not know anything about, and he will reference us or he will be like, do you want me to let, do you want me to get Tanya to get in touch with you? Or here's like information if you want to get in touch with them. But he has also competently taken care of situations where if they don't feel the need to get us involved or that's not necessary then or wanted then he that's in his and so i don't necessarily know if that situation has happened who's involved 
anything like that. We might debrief at some point and have a conversation or be like, hey, this is how the situation went. This is how it went down, the positive or negatives. But it's more about the dynamic of the situation and not who was involved or any of that kind of dynamic. And I really got to say, and to Jim's credit, and one of the things that he actually put out there when we first met is he was like, he said that I had enough on my plate that this shouldn't be the one more thing, especially as far as my own safety, stepping up and getting involved in these situations. And so I can tell you that I know that Jim's gotten calls directly that I don't necessarily even hear about. And I think that's pretty cool, too. Basically, if you want to access the Resource Center, the best way right now is to send us an email and we can arrange it to often Wednesdays. We are open in the afternoons from 3 until 4.30. There's some stuff that's happening right now that's struggling around, but our goal is to have at least two days a week that are open hours for at least a couple hours a day. And that will, especially coming this summer and going forward in the fall we'll definitely have that like i said some stuff with scheduling is making that a little bit more challenging but our goal is right now wednesdays and fridays best thing to do is to send us an email and then we can always make a specific time that's because sometimes those hours aren't convenient for somebody too so then we communicate we find a time that's right and i'll come up and meet and give an orientation but as far as members have 24-hour access and we have a calendar so people put down when they're going to be in or if they've got we've got regular classes or tutoring or an art class or something like that, then you can see on the calendar. So you can decide, oh, I need private space. And you also, as a member, have the option to put up on the calendar that you need private space. And then people will see that. And we've got little posters that we can put outside the door that stay, oh, this is private space right now between these hours and these hours, please come back after. So it can be used as a private space if someone needs to make, say, phone calls that they need to be alone for or anything like that or when we've got when we do have our outreach worker come and do groups here that type of thing we would have it closed so people aren't coming in and out during that type of a thing right now of course what is the email address for the women's resource center <laughs> it's the court not the it's cortez women's center at gmail.com and that's that center spelled r-e or e-r yes very canadian okay yeah all right <laughs> thank you so much tanya and yeah. good luck with 2023 thank you and i'd like to just give some props to the campbell river coalition of homelessness they hooked us up with this beautiful shed which makes a big difference for us because especially over covid quite a became quite a storage space in here so now that we have the shed we can clear out our workshop area and we're also working on getting an actual kind of closed off or semi-closed off work office space inside the center this year and we also the and more importantly we were able to give out approximately two thousand dollars worth of items to help individuals stay warm this over this last year and that was a really that felt like a really great thing to be able to do and we couldn't have done that without the coalition's putting money through us. So yeah, we spent about $2,000. That was things like blankets, shoes, jackets, heaters, stuff like that. And uh, we actually had such a call out that we had to do some more private fundraising to cover the costs. So we really saw that. And that's another thing that we've really been seeing is the housing crisis continue and people needing help to not being in adequate housing, needing to stay warm was a huge thing. Whether people actually had housing or they didn't, was that they just weren't warm enough. And firewood, like that was one, we couldn't help with that part, but that was the one thing that we were like, oh, we need to figure that one out too. Yeah, Yeah, so we wanted to make sure that we gave them props. And then, yeah, and then we're continuing to working. We still need to raise about another $9,000 to do the appropriate training for the non-violent crisis intervention training. Okay, good luck with it all again, Tanya. Yeah, thanks Thanks so much much for your time, Greg. Greg Osoba, CKTZ News, Cortez Island.
CKTZ News is brought to you by the Local Journalism Initiative, the program funded by Heritage Canada and administered through the Community Radio Fund of Canada.